kind of want to wrap up the war room a little bit and and talk about uh, continuing your prayer life and and I hope that at the end of this series that you have found yourself closer to God today than you were six weeks ago that you found yourself more passionate about the things of God that you're spending more time in his word and you're excited about church that you come early and and you you're looking for places to get involved in the church and here every time the door opens and you were excited about what God's been doing in your life and hopefully you found ways of helping and serving your neighbors and friends that maybe even leading someone to meet Jesus Christ but what we want to look at today is is where are you with your relationship to God in your prayer I used the story before, but there was a story of a couple, and, and Phil and Noreen, how many years have you all been married today? 50 what? 56 years today, Phil and Noreen Wright, so happy anniversary to you guys. So I could insert them in there, you know, when Phil and Noreen first started dating and they were in their pickup, you know, Phil had his uh, arm around Noreen and 57 years later, she's sitting over by the, uh, you know, passenger's door and looks at Phil and says, reflecting on our life, Phil, you know, why don't we sit like we used to before? And Phil's response would be, well, Noreen, I haven't moved. <laughs> and folks, if you find yourself distant from God, uh, God hasn't moved. You did. And if it seems like your prayers just bounce off the ceiling and that you can't develop the war room or the war room mentality, it may be because you've drifted from God. And that's what we're talking about in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that I gave to my favorite deacon. Therefore, we must give, the, uh, must give uh, more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Now this term drift is a, a nautical term referring to a ship moored to a dock or anchored and what it's doing is warning us to be able to secure ourselves to the truth of the gospel. That it's a serious matter, this Christian faith, and, and we are people that need to be moored to, anchored to, lashed to the dock where, where our personal faith walk and our church attendance and our prayer life is something that is growing and today I want to talk about how do we keep our prayer life from drifting what are the things that we need to heed lest we drift away because Satan is there to throw roadblocks in our life Satan loves to wreck the Christian's life and that's why he's called the deceiver the father of lies he is sent on a mission to kill destroy and to steal so here are some ways that you can kill your prayer life and drift from God. First, neglect your time with God. David tells us in Psalm 63, 1, O God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. To kill your prayer life, you can't let that be your prayer. You have to neglect God. You put him aside. You don't open his Bible because the Bible is a sharp two-edged sword. It's a living word and it'll pierce your heart. His word will renew your mind and it will build your life on a foundation that can't be shaken. So 
His word should not be in your life. You shouldn't meditate on it daily. Also, neglect worship. If you do come to church, come late. Don't sing. Make plans about where you're going to eat after you get done. And preferably don't come to church at all. Don't worship outside the church, in your car, or lead your family in worship. Don't let worship be a part of your life, because when you're worshiping, you're getting to know God better. You need to be a person that that doesn't use their gift. You don't give, you don't serve, you don't pray. Because when you pray, God hears your prayers. And then he starts moving in your life, and, and, and then when we start to drift, we don't want God moving in our life. We want to take him for granted, abusing his grace, putting God on a shelf, putting his Bible on a bookshelf where it collects dust, doing life without him, neglecting God with our time. Another way that we ruin our prayer life is blame God. Blame God. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You better ignore this passage. Don't give God your heart, because if you do, God will just break it. But we lean on our own understanding. That's what we need to do, because we believe we know what's best for our life, not God. So when things don't go our way, and they don't happen like you want them to, then you have the right to be angry at God and believe that you have a right to be upset with God. That's what we're looking at in this new series, Acts of God. It's looking at Joseph and his life, how he was sold into slavery by his brothers, jailed by Potiphar, and all the things that happened, the tragedies in his life, and it's paralleling the lives of of seven individuals as they go through struggles of life and folks life problems are going to happen and and the person that is struggling spiritually the person that is adrift may blame God for it third if you want to see your prayer life to be damaged and to drift hang around bad influences first Corinthians 1533 ought to be one of the favorite passages of many parents Uh, He's saying here, basically, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So you want to ruin your prayer life? Don't hang out with strong Christians, Christians who can encourage you. Don't hang around Christians that are close enough to you that confront you when you're not doing what you should be doing. You want to hang out with people that have uh, bad reputations, that do bad things, because when you hang out with those people, they make you feel good about yourself because you know you're better than them. But the problem is, as 1 Corinthians tells us, is that if you hang out with those people long enough, they're going to bring you down to their level. And when we talk about 1 Corinthians 15.33, let's look at you young people today. If you want to sabotage your prayer life, if you want to go adrift, date a non-believer or a believer that is a casual uh, cultural Christian, one who says they're a Christian, but they live life as if God doesn't even exist. 
and even worse, marry a person like that. Also, if you want to wreck your prayer life, if you want to be a person that, that is at drift, give in to temptation. James tells us in his passage from James 1, 14 and 15, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. Give in to temptation, so much so that you drift from a closeness with God to spiritual deadness, where there's no fruit in your life. We're looking at this on Wednesday night in study of 1 John, that the fruits of the Spirit are love, and then love produces joy, and joy produces peace. Well, if you don't have that in your life, then you may be, you may be drifting. And folks, if you pray, you probably pray with your fingers crossed, telling God that, hey, well, I gave in to temptation this time, God, but I'm not going to do it again, and your fingers are crossed, knowing that you're going to give in to that same temptation when it happens and is offered to you. So it's a pattern. You sin, you pray for forgiveness of that sin, and then you go back to the same sin, and you let that sin disrupt your communication with God. And also, if you want to drift in your spiritual life and prayer life and have one that's non-existent, then you love this world more than you love God is the fifth point. He says that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything that belongs to the world. If you love the world, you do not love the Father. So what he's saying here, when you fall in love with the temporary pleasures of this world, and you pursue the things of this world where you believe you are what you drive, whether it be a new car or a hot motorcycle, where you don't believe you'll be happy unless you get a better house and go into massive debt to get it, or you see all kinds of home improvement needs, and then all of a sudden you're spending every Sunday remodeling and giving up attending church. Students, it may be your worried about school and you study all the time and you make good grades and 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 you pursue for a good SAT score in the best college or get the best college grades but in doing so you put God aside or you get married and you have kids and as your kids get involved in 72 different activities every Sunday it's go 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 and the distractions choke the spiritual life right out of you and the result is we forget about God and we invest every dime we make into the things of the world, drifting farther and farther from the Father. Where when the Lord looks at your life, he says what he said at the church at Sardis. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. So when someone asks you to pray for them, are you a person that just basically walks away? You say, oh, I'll pray for you, but deep down you have no intention of doing that because you've never developed that prayer room, that war room. And, and you have no prayer life because you're spiritually drifting because you have 
neglected time with God and you've blamed God for your circumstances and you hung around with bad influences and you gave in to temptation and you loved the world more than you loved God. That's why Revelation 2, 4 and 5, we're reminded. Remember the heights from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did before at the first. It's a reminder that if you seek him, you'll find him. Because God wants prayer warriors. Because prayer warriors change the world. Watch this video. This is our goal for you. done it again Lord you've done it again you are good and you are mighty and you are merciful and you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it praise you Jesus you are Lord give me another one Lord Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. That is what the Lord wants to see in your life prayer warriors in their war room. That's what the Lord wants to see in this church. People with prayer lives that are praying for the generations to come that they will be affected. 
to where God takes root in their heart and takes root in our heart because we need to be on our knees praying 